Hi guys, and welcome to The Purpose Project. I'm your host, Emily Gigliotti. Happy Friday, everyone. I hope you had an amazing week and you're looking forward to the weekend. I want to make today's intro extremely short and sweet so we can get right into the episode. Today, I had the honor of chatting with an old friend of mine from college. Her name is Kirsten Beach. She is a Black content creator and influencer. She is phenomenal. She, I mean, we'll get into it, but she has two internships, a job. She's an ambassador for a few different companies. She is really involved on campus, and she is just a woman that I look up to in so many ways. Um, and in today's episode, we are going to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement and her thoughts and experiences growing up in the Black community. We get into all of it, and then we end the conversation by chatting about ways that we can all do better in order to make sure that this movement is a movement and not just a moment. So all of Kirsten's information will be located down in the show notes, as well as linked directly on our Instagram. Make sure to give Kirsten a follow and check out her socials. She does an amazing job at sharing resources, ways to educate ourselves, and also shares her thoughts and experiences. So without further ado, let's dive into this amazing episode and I will catch up with you all at the end of the episode. and welcome back to The Purpose Project. I am here today with Kirsten Beach. I have known Kirsten for a good bit of time now. We met through an online newspaper type of thing at Temple, <laughs> and we haven't have really spoken really since the Odyssey, like face-to-face, but we're on campus all the time together and we stay in touch. And um, with today's topic that we're going to be talking about, guys, I really, I've told you in the past few episodes that I wanted to dive more into talking about those hard conversations about the Black Lives Matter movement and just having those conversations with my friends, colleagues, and everyone in between. And I want you all to be a part of this conversation. So today, Kirsten is here to talk a little bit about it, but I'm going to have her introduce herself because she is absolutely amazing. I mean, you have what? Two internships, a job, you are like an ambassador for like so many different things and you're a girl boss altogether. So go ahead and introduce yourself because you. I can't do it justice. <laughs> so my name is Kirsten. Um, I have, I'm a senior at Temple now, but I'm a media studies and production major with a concentration in business and entrepreneurship and a minor in general business. Um, and yeah, I, I'm very busy all the time, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I guess like, I'm trying to think of a general, like consensus of who I am. Um, I'm just really passionate about, you know, being authentic and talking about real things on the internet. Um, I feel like that's the most important thing because, um, as I've just been on social media for like, you know, I've been on social media since I was like, I've. I don't know, maybe 14, but since I've watched <laughs> everything evolve, um, I feel like it's just really important to be authentic and to talk about real things and to discuss topics in ways that, you know, people may have not ever thought about before, may have never really 
tried to understand, to bring light and shed light on all of those things um, that are happening in the world and to use my platform as a way to do that because I know, you know, there's a lot of influencers and there's a lot of people that are posting things and it's easy to get caught up in everything. I mean, it's easy to get caught up in just like self-image and seeing, comparing yourself to people and all that. And I guess I've always been the type of person to where I just, I kind of want to break down all of those walls and all those barriers and of all those things that people are, people expect social media to be. So as I've been at Temple, I've been navigating throughout my own life and experiencing trauma and loss and good things too obviously but um I've kind of just used my social media as a way to document all of that and I I see all of my followers as friends and people who like I want to you know talk to as if I was just having a regular conversation with them I don't see it as like you know I'm just posting a picture I see it as this is a platform to where my voice can be heard and whoever follows me and listens to me I want them to read what I'm, you know, read what I'm saying, take in everything I'm saying and to like get something from it. Um, so I kind of apply that to every aspect of my life, like with jobs and stuff. And like you said, like I am, um, I currently have two internships and a job and I'm the, and for anyone who goes to Temple, I'm the social media director for Temple Student Activities, which is something that's been really exciting for me, just connecting with um, students through that platform and then with all my other jobs and being ambassadors I mean all of those roles they take like you have to really communicate with people and you have to be comfortable with talking to people and um spreading information and you know getting the word out there about certain things so every like aspect of my job day to day to just like my life it's all about communicating with people and um I guess just talking with people and you know spreading the word about different things. So I guess everything about my platform kind of all falls into place with that because I get to do my job and I also get to educate people on certain things during all of that and to just kind of share pieces of myself and my journeys on um, social media to everyone I know. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you couldn't have said it better yourself. The like, I love Kirsten because she is so authentic, and I've noticed that through your social media. There are a lot of influencers out there that have, say, 10, 15k followers, and all they're doing is uploading just like products they're using and like right. all these like generic things like that you know an influencer to do. But you take your platform to another level where you talk about the hard shit. And like, even before all of this kind of arose over the past few weeks, you were always so true to yourself in that way. Either if it was Thank like you. through your singing videos and all your, like your songwriting and all of that, like you are so authentic. And that's one of the main reasons that I wanted you on this episode today. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for asking me. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to start this conversation and I knew it had to um, be done. But before we start into that conversation, I do a segment on the podcast called What's Your Purpose Currently? So it's basically just something that you're looking forward to in the upcoming week or a goal you want to set for yourself. Do you have anything in mind that you are trying to, say, manifest into the upcoming week? Like I said, with everything that I do, it's easy to get caught up in being busy. Um, and that's something that I really want to focus on to just disconnect from all of my work sometimes and to do things that 
really make me happy and bring me overall happiness because like with everything going on in the world it's easy to just kind of neglect your own mental I mean like your own mental yeah. health and yeah. since that's something that I'm so you know that I talk about all the time and I really want to advocate for I realize like I have to take my own advice and I have to you know sit down and be like hey like calm down you're doing a lot like what what's really going to bring you happiness right now what are some things that you can do that'll help you to you know not have so much anxiety it'll help you to just um really decompress and ultimately that's something that I just really want to focus on right now over everything because I need it right now more than anything because obviously if if you don't take that time to um really focus on yourself and cater to your own like um, mental health then everything can kind of come crashing down so I really want to work on my own brand I want to launch it before the summer ends I aim to actually manifest that and manifest success in that way because it's something that I've been thinking about for a long time that I've just been so busy that I haven't I haven't sat down and said you know what you need to do this this is something that you are happy about, you're proud of, and that you want to spread with the world, so do it. So yeah, that's something that I want to do in the upcoming month or weeks or whatever, you know, the time period may be. No, heck yeah. And senior year, best year, right? You got to go out with a bang. (laughs) No, but I'm glad you said that because I feel like a lot of us don't take the time for ourselves. A lot of the time we're trying to take care of everyone else around us. And then we don't take care of our mental health and we start to spiral. And I feel like a lot of people, especially individuals in the black community may have felt that way over the past, like one forever two the past couple of weeks, especially (laughs) because I saw a lot of people posting saying that I'm exhausted and Mm -hmm. I want to keep up on social media, but there's a fine line between I need to take care of myself before I can take care of other people too. And I know you took a little um, time away from social media. I saw you post something on your story saying that like, you just need to take a step back for your mental health because in order to help others, you need to like be centered with yourself, which I completely, completely agree. So going o- over that, like, how are you feeling right now over the, I know the past few weeks have been a roller coaster of emotions probably. And like I have told my followers for, and I'll say this to you, I, I mean, I understand that I am white and I am privileged and I will never understand what the black community is going through. So go ahead and talk us through what your emotions and feelings and thoughts have been over the past few weeks from the murder of George Floyd, finding that out to the uproar on social media and blackout Tuesday, and then coming back and influencers, influencers getting back into it. Just talk through your thoughts and emotions. What was that like? So, um, I remember when I first saw the video, the George Floyd video, and I watched it with my boyfriend and, um, I was just completely, I mean, I want to say shocked, but at the end of the day, this is something that it's been happening for a while. So, you know, each time you have that initial shock, but then you realize, like, this is this is our reality and this happens all the time and there haven't been any changes. So when I first saw it, I was obviously devastated and I had, you know, days where I just would cry because I felt so overwhelmed and like there was nothing I could do, you know, to take away the pain of his family and I'm the type of person that anytime something ha- like that happens I always think about the family I think about you know the children of you know the person who 
was killed and stuff. So I was really in that type of headspace is like, I, I can't imagine this, but at the same time I can, because I'm black and I have a black boyfriend who, you know, has these same fears every single day. So I always put it in that perspective. And then it makes me even more upset because I'm like, this is, this is something that we have to, we have to look at and see, and we have to put ourselves in their shoes a lot of the time because this is something that could happen to us. So initially I was, I was shocked. I was upset. I was hurt. And then, you know, I didn't, I guess I didn't expect for people to be in such an uproar because, you know, before it's always been this thing where it's like a trend, you know, another black man is murdered by the police or black woman or, you know, anything of that nature. And there'll be this like uproar for, it seems like a couple days and then, you know, everyone goes back to normal. So I was thinking this will probably happen again, but also, you know, there was Ahmaud Aubrey and um, Breonna Taylor. And um, so those were, you know, two other like instances where people were upset and they were mad. And so it was kind of like grief on top of grief. And I think that with all of that, people really started to realize and it gained like traction and people were really like, okay, we need to do something. And I was not expecting that, but when it happened, I felt very overwhelmed, but I guess overwhelmed with relief and happiness and also sadness all at the same time, because it made me think like it really took, you know, another man to be murdered for people to care. And um, so I felt a million different emotions because, you know, you're relieved that finally people are talking about it, but you're also still upset that it happened. Um, so when I started seeing a lot of people posting, I, you know, I was, I really didn't know what to say. And I obviously am the type of person I always want to do my part. And as a black woman, I wanted to share my experiences, um, you know, with my followers too, while also spreading awareness about what is happening, about how you can help. So, um, you know, I started doing that and I started posting and posting my experiences and people were, you know, very receptive. And I got a lot of, you know, obviously I got some unfollows, <laughs> but, you know, that's, that was none of my concern at all because if I'm reaching, mm-hmm. you know, tens of thousands of people and, you know, a few people who want to stay, you know, ignorant and don't want to hear what's happening if I lose those people you know I'm not that upset because I I can still reach more people to talk about it so um you know I was thinking about that and I was looking at the insights of people who shared the post and I was like okay like this is reaching people and that's really even if I'm just reaching one person and getting one person to change their outlook on how they may have viewed the situation or they may have Mm -hmm. you know viewed black people in general um I was like that's a victory for me but also then like I felt very overwhelmed at times to where I felt like I wasn't posting enough and I needed to do more and you know I talked a lot of people were reaching out to me um which I did appreciate but at the same time like it can still be overwhelming when people are asking you know what can I do better because when people ask you that it's like okay I get what you're trying to do, but I mentally am me offering my energy and explanation. It's it's hard when there's so many resources out there that I'm sharing and that 
I'm trying to get more people to look at that it's it's like offering that insight and saying those things and having those conversations can be very overwhelming as well. So it's kind of been a it's been a roller coaster of trying to educate people and trying to also take time for myself to really comprehend everything. And I went to, you know, a, I went to a protest in my city, which was amazing. And um, afterwards, I was just so happy because I'm from a very like Southern city um, and they're very, I feel like Macon, where I'm from, is just very um, traditional and very conservative and a lot of the people are just very like set in mm-hmm. stone about what they Tunnel feel. Vision. Right. Yeah. And so I wasn't really expecting the turnout with the protest, but it was like the most beautiful thing I've ever been a part of because I saw so many people that, um, you know, I knew from high school that were there. And I saw people that, um, you know, parents of people that I went to school with or teach like former teachers. And I was like, wow, you know, I wish that I had this experience growing up, knowing that I was supported as a black woman or a black girl growing up in this city. Um, so I was just very overwhelmed with happiness and overwhelmed with love because I was like, all of these people want change. And, you know, all of these protests that are happening over, you know, the course of a couple of weeks and then all they've happened in literally every state it's been something where I've been very happy to see the progress that a lot of people are making and happy to see so many people kind of normalize the idea of changing their mind um, about something after they've learned new information and after they've educated themselves on stuff so it's been you know it's been sad and it's been traumatic and it's been overwhelming but at the same time it's been really beautiful seeing so many people come together to uplift the black community um because ultimately i know that it's not it's not on black people to you know make this change it's it's really on our white allies more than anything to you know realize their privilege and to educate their followers and to have those conversations with their families who may have different views and that's something that I've really had to sit back and say like this is this you've been fighting for this for so long so don't feel like you have to overextend yourself you know to say all of these things and to say all of these words because although that's great it's not my job you know to Mm -hmm. to fix everything and it's not my job to you know, explain to every white person I see what, you know, what they could do better, because although I can offer my experience, it's not my job to do all of that, you know, and that's been something that I've really learned the most from because of all the posting, I've gotten so much good feedback and so many people um, like in my DMs and they're like, thank you for this, because I never thought about this this way. And that makes me really happy. But at the same time, I have to take a step back sometimes and say like, there are a lot of resources and it's not my job to just go and, you know, neglect my mental health to try and explain why the system is wrong, you know, 24 seven. So I guess that's something that I've, I've been battling during all of this and battling my emotions in my head because, um, 
you know, another black man was murdered in um, Atlanta just like two nights ago. So, you know, that was something else that, you know, watching the news and just seeing everything and learning more about the case, you know, that's also been very upsetting. But, you know, Atlanta is a lot of people are protesting still and things are not dying down. But on social media, it's kind of a different story. Yeah, I cannot imagine like people like just coming at you from all directions when things were happening that first week Mm -hmm. saying, how can I help? How can I do this? The thing that I've heard from a lot of um, other individuals in the black community is people are saying that like you shouldn't have to teach the white community or allies how to help. Like that isn't your job. You have taken the time to learn about our culture. Why can't we learn about yours? And Mm -hmm. we should have that want deep down to want to learn and to want to read the books and to watch the documentaries and to want to have those conversations. And it's disheartening to me that something as sad as and devastating as a murder, multiple deaths in like a week span has created this conversation. So over the past few weeks, what is, I mean, you kind of touched on it, but maybe there's something else, but what's the hardest thing that you've had to experience over the past few weeks? I think seeing everything, like seeing all of the videos and seeing, you know, learning more about how race, how inherently racist our country is. I think like before all of this, obviously I knew because, you know, like being a black woman and growing up and, you know, what my, my parents taught me and just, you know, learning about how our country, like the ways in which our country was built and, the laws that prohibited black people from doing certain things and from getting ahead, I think really learning more about the systems and how like fucked up (laughs) it all is. (laughs) I think that's been the biggest thing for me because obviously I knew to an extent, but I think when you see, when you see the laws and you see like what, you know, our government is currently doing and how they're tackling it, that's been the hardest thing because it's like, it's 50 there's been 50 states of people protesting and signing petitions and we've I mean I've posted on my social media the changes that we have already made just in you know these couple of weeks which has been amazing but ultimately the hardest thing for me to wrap my mind around is how it seems that we're fighting against our own government and our own country to acknowledge the fact that black lives are important and should be valued and should be treated equally with like white counterparts like I don't I it's been so hard for me to realize that we're fighting this fight and we have a president who doesn't even want to acknowledge Mm -hmm. what's happening to us and how black people are being murdered and how you know there are no there's no consequences for these white cops that are and these white people that are murdering black people and I think that's been the hardest thing because you want to feel like you're in a country where you can be safe and it's going to protect you. And knowing that, you know, our government and the, the, the president is kind of putting out this racist rhetoric and kind of giving a big high five to white supremacy when black people are being murdered by the numbers and have been. So like not having that support in that sense um is really disheartening because it makes me feel like I'm not safe no matter what and even if 
we have millions of people on our side who are trying to help us and amplify our voices, there's only so much we can do if we have, you know, corrupt leaders and we have corrupt people who ultimately call the shots on whether or not our lives have any value at all. So I think that's been the biggest thing for me, just kind of looking at how corrupt the system is. Um, and I say corrupt, but obviously like the system, it's operating how it was intended to. It's just kind of the fact that we have to dismantle it and we have to make changes and we have to vote to dismantle the racist ideologies and the racist ways behind the way our system like operates. So um, I think that's been the biggest thing for me, just having to accept that because there's really nothing else we can do other than vote and set telling people to vote and educating people on why they should vote is really all we can do, which kind of leaves me feeling a sense of helplessness because, you know, there's only so much you can say and there's only so much you can do when encouraging someone to vote because at the end of the day, you can't walk in the pre like in the precinct for them and vote. So um, yeah, I think that's kind of been the thing that has upset me most. Um, feeling that sense of helplessness and, you know, not really knowing where to turn. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point because I've been thinking about over the past few weeks, people have been on social media, posting, donating, petitions, Mm -hmm. still doing peaceful uh, protests. But yes, we can continue to post all these resources and do what we can. But like you said, at the end of the day, if voting is the thing that's going to help our nation get a better system, that's really scary. And mm-hmm. not only scary for just the Black community in general, we should all be frightened because if things don't change, we're never going to get out of this hump that we're in. And it's right. terrifying, honestly. And it's a really good point that you made. I'm not the type of person to where like I'm talking about like political candidates so often, but I am very anti-Trump. And that's something that I'd like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to advocate for and I'm going to talk about because that's me. And I want to educate people on why this person cannot lead our country because he has acted as a symbol to divide us. And um, yes. it's been, it's, it's been like a fight, like a struggle between like white supremacists and black people and everyone else so it's been this thing where it's like I mean remember when I think it was like North Carolina like protests or something like that and there was like the like KKK and the tiki torches and all of that I remember that was such a big deal when that happened to me because I was like this is this is the first instance where I feel like this is going to happen a million more times and nothing's going to change and I mean I feel like I was right (laughs) so it's just it's it's scary because it's just like a, it keeps happening. It's a cycle. And if people don't vote, I guess they all have to say, if people don't vote, it's going to keep, it's going to happen again. And, you know, this is going to be a repeat. And I would like to believe that with everything that's happened, enough people wouldn't vote for him again. But at the same time, like I said, that the first time. And that's just scary to me how someone who is so, just against really basic human rights, um, unless those rights are for white people, then that that's kind of all he cares about. And for that to be someone who is a symbol of what America is um, to other countries, that's scary. And it's not something that I want to, I don't want my kids to be, you know, born into a world where this 
is, you know, a constant thing where they have to fear for their lives because of the way the government operates and the way that um, the system America was built from. That's just scary to me. And I, that's why I'm so um, like heavy on telling people to vote because if you don't, this is, this is going to keep happening. It's going to keep happening over and over again. And like you said, the thing is people can't stop now and doing things and voting and everything. Cause this is a longer haul than just a few weeks or a few months. This is for the right. future. And like you said, we need to think about, do we want our kids to grow up in this atmosphere and in this mm-hmm. environment? We want, I personally, I've been having this conversation at my dinner tables with my families. I want to be able to have a conversation with my kids about these things and not Mm -hmm. have them be hard. They should be normal and talked about all the time. But the only way to do that, like you said, is to vote and get Trump out, like, (laughs) blatantly. We can't predict if the next person is going to be any better, but it has to be better than what it is now. Because for me, a president is someone that is going to stand by his people. He is a representation of the people. He doesn't give a damn. So we need to have someone that cares in the office that's going to speak for all of us, no matter the color of our skin, no matter our gender, no matter anything. And he's not doing a good enough job about that. So everything you said is extremely important. So whoever's listening to this, go vote. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So do you want to talk a little bit, we know you've touched on it a little bit, but do you want to talk a little bit about growing up in the black community? Um, You're from Georgia, correct? It's a small (laughs) town in Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Maybe your experience in high school, Um, maybe anything that your parents have taught you growing up, just things that really have stood out to you in being a uh, black woman. So um, I, so I went, I went to um, like a small private Christian high school um, from kindergarten to like 12th grade. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was an experience. (laughs) Like my, I I remember my mom telling me that, uh, you know, she and my dad, they always just wanted us to have a good education. And they felt like in Macon, we kind of, so in Macon, there's like, well, back then there were like, I guess, three or four main like private schools like in the area um and my mom just wanted us to you know have like a really good education so that when we went to college or we would be most prepared for college and their hope was we would go on to do great things because of the education that we had um you know growing up so they sent us to um a school and growing up I remember like my graduating class was maybe like 80 seven people maybe so uh, it was very small and in total it's like maybe 1200 people at the whole like school and that's including like elementary and everything so growing up I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me at all I was surrounded by um white like children and um you know when when you're younger the color nobody's noticing that you know because you're young and you're a kid So, you know, I remember playing with like my friends and it was just normal. But as we got older, I started to really see how divided things were and how I was being treated differently. I'm trying, I'm trying to think about like when I first had that moment of like, 
I'm black. I'm different in this environment. I'm in a, I'm living in a white space and I am a black kid. I think it was like when, you know, I finally started to like be like, I was crushing on like little boys, (laughs) like I was crushing on boys. (laughs) And I'm trying to think maybe like fourth, third grade. Um, And it was like one of those things where I would, you know, be like my little innocent child self, like having a crush on a boy. And it was, it was almost like, uh, like you can't like this, like we can't like each other. And at that point I was like, uh, what? I didn't, I didn't really realize anything was wrong, but that's when like those things started happening. And, you know, the like white boys around me wouldn't pay me any, any attention because it was like, you're black and we can't have that. And I mean, that started like fourth grade, but still that was something that I remember noticing. And, you know, as time went on, it was like, those things started to make me kind of be really unhappy with like my blackness and I didn't wear my hair naturally curly until about like sophomore year in high school I would like growing up in middle school I would straighten my hair all the time and like I wanted to fit in with the white kids because I felt so like ostracized and I just felt so different and like middle school and stuff, it was kind of the same thing. And then when I finally got to high school and and even like the latter part of middle school, we started having those conversations and I started learning about, you know, the people that I went to school with and how their parents were. That's when I started to realize like, this is something that I have to, you know, live with always because there's always going to be that, you know, that ignorance and with people who grow up and when that's ingrained in you, you just, keep doing it and you keep spewing that rhetoric and you keep talking like that and you keep having these what's the word you keep having these thoughts of how you think black people are and when I was growing up I remember hearing like oh um because I was in all honors classes always and I was all like I had you know a lot of AP classes and I remember hearing like people be surprised when I would talk about, oh, I'm, you know, I've taken this many classes and yeah, I got 101 on this test. Like, they'd be like, how? And, you know, those little microaggressions that it's so ingrained into their minds that they're not even realizing why it's offensive. So Mm -hmm. I, I felt very conflicted growing up because I wanted to experience my own culture and learn more about myself but I felt like I was held back in that way because the way my school operated it was still because it it was based on like a Christian you know like base so everything that was said it was like this is what the Bible says but I noticed that everybody who you know claimed to be so Christian they had the most race racist ideologies and tendencies and they were the ones who were spewing these microaggressions and these stereotypes about black people and I remember like when I was in high school I started to kind of find my voice and to feel comfortable with speaking about certain things but I still felt silenced because I felt like living among all these white people and people who I called my friends I was still like a coward for me to like, you know, just stay silent because I didn't want to be ostracized. But I felt like if I said too much that I would be, which, you know, sucked because I always felt like I was in a box. Like I couldn't say too much because I didn't want to jeopardize, you know, um, 
my image at the school. So I was like, I just want to be like the good kid who goes to good college and I just did what I was supposed to do. So like, that's why I found myself being quiet in a lot of instances and just like being like, whatever, I'm going to go to a school that's more open-minded. So I don't have to deal with them anyways. And I should have never had that approach. It should have been, let me try and educate these people. But, you know, growing up and being immature and also being very insecure um, in my skin because of the way people would treat me and the way I would be ostracized um, and looked at differently because I was black. I didn't want to, you know, compromise that. I was more, I, w- I was more okay with just being silent and to just kind of letting people say whatever and getting my work done and going on to do bigger and better things than Mm -hmm. sitting there and saying this is why what you said was wrong and let me teach you about it and that's the why I have the approach that I do now because I remember being so unhappy and just feeling so you know insecure about my blackness that now I'm so proud of it and I'm so happy um, even despite the fact that we face so many things every day and so many hardships and we have to work 10 times harder than the white person to get the same job because of our skin, I'm still so proud to be Black and to advocate for the Black community because I remember when I wasn't that person. And I remember how I wished that I would have had a teacher who, you know, told me like, hey, be proud of who you are and speak your truth. Because I also only had one Black teacher ever um, when I was in high school, and he was also the Bible teacher. So you know, it was just those things of I was never seeing people that look like me. I was constantly being thrown around saying, oh, well, she's she's not even really Black. She's like us. Like, I got so many of those comments and people saying, oh, she's an Oreo. She's Black on the outside, but on the inside, she's white. And those kind of things at the time, I didn't understand how those phrases worked. And I would see it as like a compliment, but I was like, no, it's not a compliment. Like something's off about what they're saying, but I was never, I never spoke up because I didn't really know how to. And when I ended up kind of learning about, you know, what these things are saying actually mean, that's when I started to realize, like, I want to be someone else. I want to be the black woman that you know my the little black girl in me in high school would have looked up to and you know my mom would always support me and she would tell me like don't you know don't feel like you have to consolidate your blackness to appeal to white audiences and white people that you you know go to school with and that was really helpful and that's how I was able to break through that shell and say you know what like I'm done with the bullshit. I'm not going to just let people walk over me and try and not see me for being a black woman. Because when I, when I hear people say, you know, I don't see color. Cause I also got that a lot in high school. You know, yeah. I want you to see my color. I want you to see that mm-hmm. I'm black and I want you to acknowledge my struggles. And I want you to acknowledge my hardships. Because if you say you don't see color, that means that you don't see how my experience in America and in navigating in this white space is different than yours. So that's something that, you know, I had to learn. Um, And towards the latter part of my high school career, I realized and I started to, you know, be a little bit more vocal about how I was feeling. Um, But it definitely was a struggle hearing the, you know, you're not like other Black girls and 
you know, you, you sound white. That, that was what I hated the most. You sound white. And, you know, that's something that I, I love to break down for people when they don't understand how like microaggressions work and things like that, because, you know, to say you sound white is equating whiteness to proceed excellence, mm-hmm. um, you know, being like well-versed in, you know, and that's wrong because how a white person speaks and how a black person speaks, there's no correlation as to how one is better than the other, you know? And that yeah. that's something that like just one of the few things that I was told growing up, like living in, um, you know, this Southern city and going to this private Christian school, um, just navigating through those spaces was, you know, very traumatic, but I think at the time I didn't realize how traumatic it was because I was so brainwashed by the system and brainwashed by how, you know, whiteness kind of overtakes everything. And you have to work extra hard to, you know, stay true to yourself and to understand the discrepancies between being black in America and being white in America. Yeah. And first and foremost, thank you so much for sharing that. But I think the thing for me over the past few weeks is kind of admitting how blind like a lot of us were and how blind Mm -hmm. I personally was. Like I had friends growing up that were black and I never really looked differently at them or saw the color. And but that's the problem. Mm -hmm. And I'm it's so shitty and I've realized how crappy it is for me to realize it because of the situation that's been happening over the past few weeks Mm -hmm. but I'm able to admit that and understand that our privileges are completely different because of the color of our skin and it's something that we need to work towards so do you want to how was your transition to like college was temple any different so for me, I know like going to Temple was a big, like, that was a huge step for me because I had never, I know I wanted to get out of the South, but I didn't really know what that looked like. And Temple was kind of like, a lot of people ask me this, like, why Temple? It was kind of a last minute decision and it kind of just came out of nowhere. Um, and I like, I got a scholarship. So it kind of ended up with, you know what, I'm just going to see how it is and like, see what I get <laughs> out of this. And I mean, it was the best decision I ever made. And like, obviously everyone has college experiences that, you know, there's ups and downs with college, obviously, but in terms of how much I've gotten out of, you know, living in a different place and being thrown into a new city, that's so very different from the South in general and from where I'm from. It was something that that excited me initially. And um, I know like getting to Temple, I longed for Black relationships and I wanted to like be in touch with um, like other black people and to make more black friends because I felt like I didn't, I didn't have that. Um, like, I felt like I didn't have that growing up at all. I didn't really have a lot of black friends and it, it was kind of just because of how I grew up going to like the high school that I went to. So I really wanted to just learn more about myself and to connect with people um, who looked like me, who had similar experiences. And, um, you know, when I got, when I got to Temple, I found that and I was just so happy with how initially just how diverse Temple felt and how, you know, inclusive Temple was when I just, you know, first came and how that was something that they, they advocated for. Um, which just made me feel very safe. And it made me feel like I, um, 
I was represented and like I my voice would be heard no matter what. So when I went to Temple, that was something that I loved so much because I felt like there there was a very heavy presence of um, like, you know, a black community on campus. Um, so I really wanted to like be connected with that. Um, but then, you know, as the years went by, I realized how just how divided Temple was actually and how um, the student body is very um, segregated in many ways. And um, although I know a lot of people from many different backgrounds on campus, I realized that the general consensus of the student body, you know, it was, I mean, since it's pre predominantly white, a lot of the white people hang out together and a lot of the black people hang out together. And it's not a lot of intermixing, um, which made me upset when I really started to kind of um, open my eyes to it and see it um, because it was very like, you know, the black community at Temple's here and the white community's here. And the white community doesn't really try and understand the black community struggles or how they feel. I remember when there were um, some, you know, racist things going on and like incidents where I would get like so many emails where it's like, we're trying to handle this and this happened. And seeing kind of how the black community felt about those things and how the white the white people at Temple kind of just disregarded it. Um, I felt like there's been a, like a lack of understanding from the white community and um, like on Temple's campus. They, it seemed like a lot of the white people, if these things would happen, it would be like, well, it's not us, so whatever, I'm just gonna go to this frat party and it doesn't really matter. And that's like something that I just noticed. And like a lot of, there were parties that it seemed like there was more of a black audience there. And then the frat parties, it was just like white people. So it was something that I realized and I was like, I like I don't know how I can change this because it's not something one person can change. So mm -hmm. it's just been something that I would talk about to people in passing. Like I spoke at this like leadership type of event um, that um, like the pink campus reps put on. It was like a girl power event and I spoke at it. Yeah. And it was in uh, Saxby's, right? Mm -hmm. I remember this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like talked to a few people after that, like over the span of however long, like, you know, school was going on. And I, we were just kind of talking about life and they were asking me about my experiences. And I was just explaining how um, I felt what going to Temple, I was so optimistic about, um, like, you know, connecting with like myself and, um, you know, meeting other Black people and connecting with them. But I was kind of explaining how the more I've been at Temple, I've realized how segregated it is. And I don't think a lot of people realize how segregated it is because a lot of people are just very stuck in their bubble. Like, oh, and, and it's something that I've kind of always wanted to advocate for, like being a part of the Black community. I'm someone that wants to see more white people trying to understand where we're coming from. And I'm, I'm someone who wants to see more white people coming um, in these spaces when, you know, if there's a party that, you know, someone in the black community throws and there's a lot of black people at this party for white people to not feel like they can't come, for white people to feel like, you know, this party isn't for me, you know, because there's not really a lot of people who look like me. and. I don't think a lot of people would would admit to that, but I I know that it's fact that 
with certain parties that I've went to in the past at Temple, I don't see as many white people. And I know that's probably because they feel like it's not really advertised to them, you know, and vice versa. I've had so many people come to me about racist experiences and frats um, that they've went to, you know, because I remember I went to like three in my lifetime at Temple and I always just felt like very uneasy. I felt like it wasn't a space for me because I felt like in some strange way I wasn't really welcomed and you know no one should feel that way but I know that me among other black people have felt that same way going into these frat parties just trying to like feel out everything and to experience simple and that's something that I want to change so you know with everything the way temple has been handling things lately um, and them kind of basically protecting these this racist hate speech and these things yeah. of these students. That's been something that has deeply disappointed me because I'm someone that wants to see, um, you know, more white people understanding the black community at Temple and more of us really trying to understand each other and educate each other as well. And like I said, I know that's not on black people to do that, but I want to see that because I want our school to be on that is unified and that's yeah. not something that i have really seen recently it's been very like um black and white <laughs> if you yeah. want to say well going in going into the fall what kind of things or like movements would you like to see created by temple students and can you see yourself running any of them to amplify this matter because like like you said temple is not taking a great stance that doesn't mean the students can't right and i feel like a lot of college students i'm not saying all but a lot of college students feel like they can't do anything that matters Mm -hmm. they don't have a lot of money they can't donate hundreds of dollars they can't do this they can't do that i've been seeing that a lot lately what are things that you'd like to see going into the fall praying to god that campus is like in person but what kind of things would you like to see to kind of push the black lives matter movement forward on campus um well for on campus i know that i've already seen a lot of people who have been as upset as i have been about how temple's Mm -hmm. handled um you know the hate speech and these these people being exposed for the ways they've been in the past and the racist speech they've used and all those things. So I've seen a lot of people um, like spreading um, templates of like emails to send to like the president and things like that. Um, I think that's extremely helpful um, because it shows that like a great deal of students are upset and a great deal of students want to see something to be changed in mm. how Temple operates. So I do think that that, it's, that, ex, that itself is very helpful. Um, but I guess in addition to that, I just, and it goes along to, you know, just everything that's happened in general and how um, a lot of people have stopped posting about um, like the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that's going on. I think that it's, it's honestly, we just have to make sure that the momentum does not slow down if everybody just stops posting and wants to go back to posting whatever they normally do and um, kind of ignore the fact of what's still happening and that has been happening for years, um, I think that's the only way that we can move forward, you know, with Temple too, because if we, if we just decide that we want to be quiet and we don't want to talk about this anymore, then there's no way that we can get on campus and expect 
university to act any differently. If we say, you know, I think we've advocated for this enough now, time to just go back to normal. Like, I don't have, like, I, I can't do that. I don't have the ability to just forget about it because this is my life. Um, like, I don't have, that's not, like, I don't have privilege in yeah. that sense, you know? So um, for a lot of people to just stop posting because, you know, they just don't want to look at it anymore. They don't want to talk about it. Um, that's how we let institutions like Temple start to just walk over us and to start, you know, not really protecting students in that way, especially um, Black students and um, students of color who want to be heard. That's how our voices are silenced if we, um, as a student body, are not still amplifying and bringing um, awareness to what's going on. So I think it's really more so about um, trying to get people to keep talking about it no matter what um, and not treat it as a trend because I know a lot of people that I've followed have treated it as such and there's been a lot of performative activism. Um, a lot of people who post kind of for the look of it to look like they are um, aware and woke and know what's happening and that they actually care when reality is they're posting to appear that way so they appear good rather than appearing tone deaf, um, which is really bad. <laughs> but I, I know that a lot of people have been doing that because I can tell now that I see so many people just posting like nothing happened. I think that's something that we just have to tackle and we have to try and educate more people on and tell them this is not something that can just stop. Like we can't treat this as a trend because more and more black people will lose their lives and not be heard if you decide to just forget it and ignore what's happening. So um, I guess I say all of that to just say more people need to keep the momentum going and still advocate for black lives and still up amplify our voices and um, still listen to us and to not, you know, just stop everything because it's not convenient to them anymore um, or it's an inconvenience to their privilege because I know that you know a lot of people probably if they got tired of seeing all of these posts and they're like I just want my life to go back to normal well I don't I don't have that privilege to do that yeah so I just I think it's it's more so more of us trying to share our stories and to um, educate people best we can given our mental state because I know for me I can only take so much and working all of the jobs at work and then logging mm -hmm. on to Instagram and trying to you know ex also express how I feel and educate my followers it can get exhausting because it's like I have so many things going on and I have to deal with this reality but I also still feel like I have a platform to use and I'm not going to let that go to waste so anytime I have the chance to use it to educate people, I'm going to. And I just want more people to kind of share that same like mindset of I have a platform, even if I only have 200 followers, if I have a thousand, like it doesn't matter. You have a platform on social media, use it to benefit us and use it to help us because, you know, social media is the only thing that is not regulated. We can post what we want to post and we can express our voices. The government is not going to silence us. So we have that voice and we have that right. So use your voice to help us and to amplify our voices and to lift us up right now because 
you know, for years we have felt like we cannot do anything. And right now we have so much help. We have so many people who want to help. So it's just about making sure that people know, hey, you have a platform, you can use it and you need to use it. And that's kind of your duty at this point to use it, you know? Yeah. So I think that's kind of the main thing, just trying to make sure people do that. That's the only way that we can move forward with change and how we can make a change at Temple and how we can make a change in our own communities. It's about having those conversations and, um, you know, speaking to our family members, speaking to our friends. And that's how we can create an uproar and make sure that this doesn't die down. Like you said, you, anyone in the Black community can't turn away from what's going on. So I've heard from one of my friends said this to me. They said, I'm tired of seeing all of this. Mm-hmm. And that was a conversation that I had to have with them. Not that I can speak from a black person's perspective, but right. like you said, you can't step away from what's going on because it's your life. You can't step away from the color of your skin and never should you, because you should be proud of who you are. And like you said, we just need to continue that conversation. And if you have a platform talk on it, speak about it. 100, 200, like Kirsten said, 10,000 followers. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Speak up and continue to have these conversations. And I posted something the other night that was like, don't act like last week was Black Lives Matter Spirit Week. And that hit me because that's how people are like reacting to it. Everyone's posting, go, go, go. And that's all we see. And then Monday hits this week. And everything is, quote, back to normal. Mm -hmm. But that's not how it should be. This is something that we need to be talking about at all times. And if starting on your social medias isn't the first place that you want to start, which it should be, have those conversations at your dinner tables. Talk with your families about them. Have the conversations constantly and be talking to your friends and family. And although, like Kirsten said, they're like you're tired. You don't want to have to explain to the white allies what's going on in your head all the time. Mm-hmm. But if you have friends in the black community, talk to them, have those conversations and just be like, how are you feeling? What's going on? I know I've done that with a few of my friends and they've shown the light on me that I didn't even realize. So like you said, just continuing that fire under our asses that <laughs> this is, and if this doesn't upset you, like it, angers me so much because it's not it's not like politics it's human rights exactly we are all people we all bleed blood like it doesn't matter we need to fight for one another and if we don't it's not we're not going to go anywhere further and that will is completely disappointing and I don't want to live in a world like that exactly (sighs) so to sum things up (laughs) what are some things that you want to see more of going in the upcoming weeks um, I guess I just want, I know that right now is a time that a lot of Black people are grieving, um, but I know for me, I want more of us to um, uplift each other and to support yeah. each other through this because I do feel like, um, you know, at times, like I know my, um, like my friends who, you know, share the same struggles as me, like we've talked and we talk as much as we can and what we can handle, but Um, I have noticed that it still doesn't seem like everybody is, you know, as connected right now. Mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of us are trying to unify and to just fight together, but I just want to see more of it. I want everybody to feel like, 
you know what, you're my black brother, sister, you know, whatever. I want to uplift you. We're together in this. We can fight this together and we'll be okay. I need more of that. And I want more black people to, you know, encourage each other and support each other because, you know, when that doesn't happen, there's no way that we can ever progress because we need, we need each other. We need um, white allies. We need everybody to, you know, propel the movement forward. So if it's just a few of us fighting, if no, if not all of us are fighting for this, then, you know, there's, we can't make the change. We need everybody here in on this. We need everybody to help. We need everybody to speak on it. And um, I guess I want to see more of that because I know for me, um, like I know how people um, react to trauma differently. And I know I've seen some like black people who haven't really posted much and they've kind of, it seemed like they, you know, haven't um, really been as vocal about what's going on. And I understand that that can be, that can be a trauma or that can be, you know, a trigger for them. So maybe they're trying to not, you know, really shy away from it because it makes them so upset. And I get that. Um, but I do think that it's important for us to uplift one another and to talk about how we're feeling about everything, mm -hmm. because, you know, ignoring it is not going to make it go away, even on us. Um, so I know for me, like when I've been sad and I haven't really, if, if I haven't posted or whatever, and, you know, I was, I was telling you that like, sometimes I feel kind of guilty if I'm not posting, um, which, yeah. you know, is not the best thing, but. Um, I just think it's important that we we look what's happening in the eye and we confront it and we feel everything because I'm like, I'm so big on mental health. And with that, like, oh, you have to allow yourself to be sad. You have to allow yourself to grieve for you to be able to move forward and for you to move forward and, you know, um, like propel the movement more. But yeah, I think that it's, it's something that we really just have to confront. We have to look it in the face and we have to say, okay, we're together in this. We can band together. We'll get through it. We can't just act like it's not happening and we can't just go on with our lives because I think of it as that could have been me. And if that was, mm -hmm. if that were me, would you be fighting for it then? So I always, yeah. I always see it from that point of view as like, keep fighting for it, fight as if that that were your brother, your sister, your boyfriend, your mother, your father, like on all ends. Um, so I think from a black community standpoint, I just want more of us to band together and to support each other through it because it's a hard time. We've been going through it for so long, but especially right now, there's been so much grief in the black community. I mean, you know, Kobe dying and then all of this police brutality. It's been a year full of grief. Um, mm -hmm. Like, for, and the black community has been grieving for a while it seems so it's something that I think we just all need to band together and to really support each other through this and that's what I really want to see from the black community and then um from my white allies I just want more of them to try and have those hard conversations with people who may not share the same beliefs people who you know it may be hard to speak to them because you get so angry because they don't understand but to still do it to still persist and to still have the conversations. If you have a racist uncle, talk to him. Tell him, hey, have you seen this? Do you know why this is an issue? Do you know why we're fighting? Do you know why, like, do you know why people are 
are angry. You know, it starts with all of that and having those conversations with your family. And I feel like if more of our allies do that, that's how we can make a change quick, like quicker, because it starts in your household and it starts at those roots. Because, yeah. you know, racism is, racism is a learned behavior. You're not born racist. You have to learn it. So if you start that at the core and you say, I'm going to dismantle this, I'm going to have these conversations with you. And that's how you stop it there. That's how your children don't inherit those same views and, um, you know, feel those same ways. So it's something that really just needs to start in the households. And that's, um, you know, something that I just want more, I want to see more of more white people confronting their white friends on their racist behavior and more white people confronting their family members on something that they said that was racist or, you know, was had racist intent behind it. And also to educate them on why, why certain things are wrong and why the system is inherently racist, why that is mm -hmm. and why um, no matter what, the system operates that way and just having those conversations. So I think those are things that, that those are things that can keep um, the movement going by starting with those hard conversations and by just using your platform in any way it may be to spread awareness and bring awareness to what's happening. hundred percent. And like I've told all of my listeners, this is why I'm going to keep continuing these conversations because I have a platform with this podcast and the conversations will not be ending here. Mm -hmm. um, so we are having to wrap up the episode. Sadly, we are running out of time, but Kirsten, do you have any final words to any of my listeners listening? Any final comments that you would like to make on this matter? Um, just please go out and vote. <laughs> please vote. <laughs> please exercise your right to vote. Exercise your right to speak on whatever you want to. Please just educate your friends, your family, everyone you know about what's happening. Don't let the momentum, um, don't, don't slow down keep propelling this movement forward because this is something that I'm so passionate about. And if you care about human rights for all, it's something that you should be passionate about too. So um, to just keep, keep advocating for black lives, keep uplifting our voices, keep supporting black creators and mm -hmm. um, black musicians and black businesses really uplift us because I mean, all we want is we want justice. We want equality. That's all we want. And that's what you should want too. So um, I hope that you guys go out and vote and you do that. Thank you so, so much for being here and telling your story. And I know my listeners are going to appreciate it so much. Go ahead and tell everyone where they can find you and follow you so they can keep up with your content and your motivational words. So I am at Kirsten Beach, K-I-R-S-T-E-N-B-E-A-C-H, like the beach, on everything. <laughs> so um, that's my Instagram. It's kind of where I post most most of everything. I'm on Twitter, but I don't tweet a lot. Um, I, I do occasionally. So you can still follow me on there. But um, Instagram is my main way of communicating with everyone and spreading my um, platform and using my voice. So if you want to check out anything on there, you can. 
Oh, trust me, they will. I force my <laughs> followers to follow. No, but seriously, guys, I will have all of her information in the show notes, as well as on our Instagram page. Kirsten will be tagged in everything when this is uploaded. But again, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you just coming on and being willing to talk about your story. Thank you so much for having me. I had the best time. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did recording it. I haven't had a chance to sit down and chat with Kirsten face-to-face, obviously Zoom, but just chat with her um, in a little bit of time. And it was so great to hear her story and her experiences. And I hope you all took something from this episode because I surely did. Now, going forward, like I've said in the past three episodes, I want to continue this conversation. And just like this episode, there will be many more to come in different capacities. But this, like I said, is a movement, not a moment. And we need to continue this conversation. So along with that, just a really quick podcast update. You guys are going to want to be sure, like actually be sure to follow the podcast Instagram and it's at the purpose project pod. So I wanted to start a little segment every week that was inspired by my friend Kelsey Jones of the What's Stopping You podcast. And she is doing a segment every week on her podcast where she is highlighting a black owned business, a black creator podcast organization, whatever it may be. And I wanted to do something very similar on the Instagram because I do know that a lot of the listeners do come from the Instagram. So I wanted to make sure to do something very similar. So going forward, and I actually started this last week, but going forward, every Sunday will be called Support Sunday on the Instagram. And each Sunday, I will be highlighting a Black-owned business, a Black creator, podcaster, organization, whatever it may be that I want to highlight and share their message and inspire you guys to either donate or learn more about their cause. Because there are so many organizations, creators, podcasters, businesses, whatever it may be, musicians out there that are not being heard right now, especially during this time. And I want to make sure we continue these conversations and amplify their voices. So you are definitely going to want to make sure to follow the Instagram at the Purpose Project Pod to get all of that and follow us uh, every week on Sundays and support these amazing um, individuals and organizations alongside me. And I hope you do choose to support alongside me. But I think that is all I have for today, guys. As always, a ton of information about Kirsten will be down in the show notes, as well as a few organizations and ways you can help, along with a link that you can check if you are registered to vote. It is literally vote.org. That is what it is. And you can log on to that website address and check to see if you are registered to vote. And I highly recommend everyone do this, my listeners, 
come on guys, do this. Because like Kirsten said in the episode, the number one thing that we need to focus on going forward is making sure we are voting. Um, And that is absolutely crucial, like Kirsten and I dove into. So all that information will be down in the show notes and on our Instagram, as always. But thank you guys so much for the love and support. I truly, truly cannot explain how much it means to me. And I will say that every episode. But all right, that is it for today. Thank you guys so much. I hope you have a great day or night, wherever you may be in the world. And I'll chat with you next week. Bye, guys.